Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Auditions. And today we've got RJ McGee from Longwood University on the show. Longwood may be a school less on the radar for many of you, and of course, may not be a fit for all of our students. We talk about this a bit in the takeaway at the end about um, sort of the size of schools and figuring out what size is right for you. But it is rare to hear the phrase that we almost have more resources than students to share them with, which is what RJ says uh, today in the interview. But I think a really cool example of this big map of different kinds of programs in the same way that Norwalk might not be right for every student who wants a university experience, Long Longwood's BFA liberal arts style program may not be for all, but listen on and see if it might be for you. Um, in MTCA news, oh my, do we have a lot. We just had our last mock of the year, wrapping a really beautiful mock season. This was concurrent with our private Baldwin Wallace editions that were occurring this weekend and which our students absolutely crushed. I was really proud of everyone at both events. Coming up, a few things to have on your radar as well. We have some in-house masterclasses in Shakespeare and pop next week, which are available to any to take. This is really geared towards seniors about to launch into their audition year. You don't have to be an MTCA student, but you do have to sign up soon as there are only a few spots left in each of these. That pop class is taught by two of our amazing coaches, Will Reynolds, also a friend of the pod, and Alex Fink. And the Shakespeare class is taught by friend of the pod, Ryan Quinn, and you Yours truly. You want to work with me on some Shakespeare? You get your butt into class. It should be really fun. Those are next Tuesday and Wednesday, the 16th and 17th of January. Shakespeare's on the 16th. Pop Rock is on the 17th. And then we do have a few things expiring today. If you're listening on episode drop date, I totally forgot to warn you all last week in the John Cariani episode, we we're doing our belt box promo and I forgot to warn you about our junior workshop that was coming up this week. So for any underclassmen listening, I'm sorry if you hear this too late. Um, by the time you listen, if it's on a Wednesday, it is tonight, Wednesday, January 10th. I'm sorry for the late notice. All of that information is available online at mtca.com. If you click on the banner at the top, it's a free workshop and a chance to meet us and dive into the expectations of the college level. If you can make it, please plan on attending. This is targeted to juniors, but absolutely appropriate for any underclass student. And we will be doing these again in a couple months. We try to do them every couple months. So if you miss it, I really am uh, sorry that I didn't give you more warning with the New Year's and the holiday, it all snuck up on us. Um, 
Okay, that's it. We're going to talk a little bit more about upcoming Unifieds and such things next week, though I'm excited to see so many of our families in New York, Chicago, and LA. Don't forget about that Beltbox promo. If you missed it from last week, Beltbox is giving 10% off to MTCA students with the discount code MTCA2024. That's MTCA and the numbers 2024 on Amazon. So please consider that if you're a senior who's uncomfortable warming up in hotel rooms and not sure how to plan out your Unifieds warm-up experience. Is that enough intro? It sure feels like it. Let's get into the interview. Well, we are so excited to have R.J. McGee from Longwood University on the pod today. R.J. has a B.A. and M.T. from Temple University. He's a performer, casting director, talent manager, professor, uh, owns a casting office, R.J. McGee Casting, an associate talent manager for Baker Management, and a visiting professor of acting at Longwood, uh, which is located in Farmville, Virginia, and they offer a BFA in theater performance with a musical theater minor. RJ, welcome on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to do so. So, okay, I gave you that quick little bio, but um, talk to me about, you know, this specific multi-hyphenate is not one we've had as a professor on the show. We've had talent managers and um, casting directors on the show more as artist guests, but talk to me a little bit about your journey from um, performer to casting director to talent manager to professor. Well, it's always been really important for me to maintain um, my professional career while also being in higher education and uh, my career in the industry essentially started as a performer. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, grew up performing at the Muni and stages and mm-hmm. repertory theater of St. Louis. And then um, I went to Interlock and Arts Academy for my junior and senior year of high school as a theater major, which I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And then I was in the very first musical theater cohort at Temple University, um, there was only 16 of us, freshmen, sophomore, transfer students, and that has since uh, grown into a very vibrant um, undergraduate mm-hmm. musical theater program. And then when I graduated, I knew I wanted to really give a go at, at being a professional actor, but being at Temple, which was a um, BA at the time, very liberal arts-based, I was introduced to a lot of different other aspects of the industry, and that's really when I fell in love with this idea of producing and casting and um, sort of the human resources part of our business. Um, I was an intern at the Arden my, mm-hmm. uh, going in my senior year of college um, and got to work on principal casting for their production of August Osage County and Charlotte's Web. But I also realized from those experiences, you know what, I'm not totally ready to divest myself of uh, this performance career. So, you know, I did what most people do when they graduate. I did UPTA. I went to New York. I I actually lived in Philadelphia for for quite a few years after graduation and commuted. Um, I did shows all over the country, Florida, Colorado, Michigan, Arizona. And um, then I met uh, my now boss, Jamie Baker. I met him as an actor, actually. I interviewed with him for representation. He owns Jamie Baker Management. He's had his company for over 20 years in New York City. Got his start as a manager specializing in commercials, non-union commercials and voiceovers and TV and film. 
and print. And uh, he really wanted to expand a theater roster. So I said to him, I want to do this for you, but we're going to start small. We're just going to start with uh, people that I performed with, Mm -hmm. friends of mine, colleagues of mine. And within the first month, someone had booked Bandstand uh, when it was a paper mill. Um, And it just sort of kept going from there. And we've had people Mm -hmm. on tour and I had someone in the uh, in beautiful on Broadway for the year and a half up until it closed. Um, I just had someone close out the sound of music international tour. Um, I have someone that's uh, there who's going to be in a show that's running at new world stages uh, next year in 2024 Mm -hmm. Um, book of Mormon tour, kinky boots, um, some TV shows. So it's really been amazing. Um, and it's a hundred percent freelance. So it's something I've been doing concurrently while having a professional acting career while being in grad school for three years, getting my MFA. And now while I teach full time at Longwood university, just amazing. So yeah, t- let's talk a little bit. If we come up to now of like, what is that current balance of, you know, that you're professing, professing work, professorial work, mm-hmm. um, your teaching work, and also, now are you actively managing clients? And I guess, how does that interact with like your students who then potentially could become your clients? Well, I would love for some of them to become my clients. Um, our program here at Longwood is very small um, in terms of student population. It's not small in terms of resources, but it's small in terms of um, personnel, students. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really only a good thing because it allows for so much hands-on um, work that we're able to do with them in the classroom. I mean, my acting two class next semester is only going to have six students in it. Um, Mm. our, uh, dance classes usually only have about six or eight students in them, sometimes even fewer. My musical theater performance class is only going to have 11. Mm -hmm. My movement class this semester only has eight. So, um, this is a great school for people who want a lot of individual and individualized training Mm -hmm. and education. Um, And so I have not graduated a class yet. This is my first semester at Longwood. I finished my MFA at uh, Minnesota State University Mankato in the spring, which also has um, a BFA musical theater and acting program that I would recommend to your listeners, along with Temple and along with Interlock. And I'm very proud of all of my... um, Mm -hmm all of my former institutions that I'm an alum of. But uh, I think what's so special about Longwood is that we're really able to devote such individual attention to all of our students. And then I'm able to bring the professional world into the work that we're doing in the classroom pretty much on a regular basis and many times at no cost to my department or to my students. So I teach a master class called... um, um, agents, managers, and casting directors. Oh my. And so I give them a full demonstration of the resources that I use as both a talent manager and as a casting director to submit, um, Mm -hmm. actors for theater and musical theater and film and television. And that's through a software that is actually not available to the public. Um, Mm -hmm. it's it's the sister platform of actors access, which is a Mm -hmm. website that all actors, have access to and can create a profile and submit themselves for jobs on. And I would recommend that to all of your listeners, but then there's another piece of it that's only accessible to um, agents and managers. Mm -hmm. And that's where you see the breakdowns for wicked and Hamilton and all the TV shows and, you know, the Marvel movies and Netflix and HBO Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And that's what we use to get people uh, appointments. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, as of, you know, the last year or two, that's also become um, what's called eco casts, 
where um, the casting director sends an invitation to my office um, through Breakdowns Express, um, asking the actor to make a video and upload it Mm -hmm. um, to Actors Access, um, and that goes straight to casting. So I'm sure uh, many of your guests have mentioned that that is pretty much the industry standard right now for the first round of uh, most auditions. Not all, but uh, many of them. And I can speak a little bit more about that if you'd like. Um, But it's just something that I constantly do concurrently. I still perform. I did um, Anything Goes over the summer, directed by Katie Huffman. She was um, the original Ula and the producers Mm -hmm. won the Tony Award. Um, And our cast was mostly made up of CCM alums and current students. So that was um, really interesting hearing about their training. since I teach in, in more of a liberal arts-based program mm-hmm. um, and hearing more of what it's like to be in a conservatory and to, um, for myself as an actor, to sort of work alongside people um, yeah. with that level of intensive training. Well, let's let's get into some of that. Let's get into some of the Longwood-specific training. I mean, I, I love that and one thing that we neglected to mention just because I didn't have it written down was the... Um, the cohort size. So what, when you mentioned you've an acting class of six, what does it typically, and it can vary, but what does typically an incoming BFA theater performance class look like at Longwood? Are we talking six, eight, ten? Well, it's, it's very, 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 very small. Um, and the, we don't work because we're a smaller university for one Longwood university is only sure. about under 5,000 undergrads. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't work off of like, okay, we're looking to accept our eight to 12 BFAs for the fall. It's really on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. So that could literally mean there's only a few BFAs in any given incoming class. Uh Sometimes if any, Uh and there's also opportunities to be considered for our BFA later in their academic career. So they could come to Longwood and then, decide that they want to pursue the BFA and then audition for that. So anyone that's listening, that's interested in our BFA, all you need to do to be considered is a, you want to get your application in by December 1st, because that's a priority deadline for merit scholarships. And we have automatic merit scholarships 3.0 and above. Um, And then you would email me and say, I want to be considered for your BFA performance program. And then we would work with you to set up either a virtual or in-person audition. Our musical theater minor is not audition based and actually can be applied to any major in the university. Mm -hmm. So if we have people here who are thinking, God, I don't, you know, I want to do musical theater, but my parents aren't going to let me major in musical theater. You know, I need to major in business or something or accounting. You can do that at Longwood and minor in musical theater. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're one of the only programs, at least that I'm familiar with, that offer something like that. A musical theater Um, minor. Yeah. And and when you talk about an acting two class or the casting director class, oh my, this is now being taken by BFAs and BAs non-majors right. altogether, right? So the whole university. That's mm-hmm. some of what you mean about the liberal arts difference versus the conservatory of a CCM or a Longwood. Yeah, a lot of our intro classes are open to anyone across the university. And then typically as they move up, you know, it's it's only majors, yeah. whether they're yep. BFA or they're an RBA program. We also have a robust theater education program. Um, it's actually pretty much our largest program within the theater department. Um, and so many of those students are also in a lot of our performance classes because yeah. I know, Charlie, you're an educator yourself. Um, it's yeah. important to be able to do uh, what it is that we teach. So, um, so and our shows are open to the entire university in terms of um, casting. 
Yep. And so just talk me through a little bit for specifically the BFA theater performance with the musical theater minor. What is that curriculum look like in the four years? So you mentioned, you know, the acting two class you teach, the casting director class you teach. The what, what am I getting, you know, in terms of acting, singing, dancing as I go through that theater performance BFA? Well, um, you take our core theater classes and then we have movement, voice and speech, business of acting. We have a great um, classical acting styles curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a great directing concentration, not a formal major or minor concentration, but there's directing courses within our Mm -hmm. program. There are musical theater performance, which I'm actually piloting next semester. I'll be teaching the first ever musical theater performance that we've really offered. Mm -hmm. Um, And then our musical theater minor is actually really music heavy, which I'm, I'm actually quite a bit of a proponent of. Um, and we have a very prestigious music school. And so you're getting a lot of those music classes that will make you really competitive in terms of your musicianship. And when you and say music heavy, you mean music classes. theory heavy, voice lesson yeah. heavy? What, what's well, heavy about music? All of the above. So oral mm-hmm. skills, um, sight reading, theory, um, you know, you walk away with like a strong uh, music base mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, musicianship skills essentially is what I'm saying. And then our dance classes, I really like how we do them. We break them up into modules throughout the semester. And so in any given semester, you could take one or all three. So let's say you just wanted to do modern one semester for one credit. It would be like, you know, the months of November and December is when Mm -hmm. you would come and do the modern class, you know, and we have Mm -hmm. like, um, social dance, you know, and that's over by like the end of September, you know, so um, it's all taught sort of in a kind of a windowed basis. Uh And you can take one of those or all of those. And social dance is like prepping them for the prom or something like that. Social dance in the state of Virginia is a lot of different things, but ballroom certainly falls in there. Also, um, Line dancing is what they learn. They learn line, line dancing. I was like, is he talking about swing dancing? I don't know. And apparently it's pretty common in the South that that's included. So that's what they do for oh, about a month. Um, let's talk about what about the broader university. You mentioned being a small university um, student number wise. What else do I get outside of the theater department? If uh, let's say I was that person who was going to minor in musical theater, or even if I'm getting the BFA, what other kinds of classes majors would I be taking at uh, Longwood? Well, we're definitely, you know, a liberal arts university. We have a very vibrant gen ed curriculum. And we also have just a very vibrant university life. So um, Greek life is available to all of our students, tons of organizations. And many of the organizations can also supplement um, their training, their formal classes Mm -hmm. and training that they're doing. So there's a million acapella groups, you know, a student dance organization, um, so we, we have uh, Alpha Psi Omega, which is the theater fraternity, honors fraternity. Um, so this is definitely a great school like to also get the traditional college experience. Um, I've asked this of now all of our, our schools. We're talking about, do you have a sense of the breakdown of where students come from? So I guess how many students really are in the Virginia area versus come from um, farther away? And then also, if you have a sense, and I know you talk about varying classes, so it may not know exact numbers, but how many end up? in New York, end up doing theater in DC, end up going other places, you know, in terms of where do they come from and where do they end up? Do you have a sense of that from the Longwood students? Well, we do it mostly from the state of Virginia. We're trying to expand more of a national 
recruitment outreach because we potentially do have some scholarship funds for outstanding um, performers that are interested mm-hmm. in our program. Um, you know, I would say university wide, you know, a lot of people come from the state of Virginia, but, but like any state university, that's not a requirement. Um, Mm -hmm. and in terms of what people do after graduation, you know, it's been all over the board. We've had people end up in New York. We've had people go on and get their MFA, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm a big proponent of, of people considering at some point in their, um, educational and career process, Um, We've had people transition to other elements of the business. We had a casting director at the Telsey office uh, for a number of years that's an alum of our program. You know, so you never know what they're going to do. But I have not graduated a cohort yet. Um, And uh, in fact, our senior class is very small. um, But I've been prepping some of them for professional auditions, um, some that they've already had like this semester because we're not far from Richmond. We're not far from D.C., Um, we're really not even that far from, from New York, Philadelphia, um, you know, the East coast is sort of at our fingertips, not far from the beach, only a few hours from Virginia beach. There's some Um, great auditions there at the beach. That's where you can really book the big show. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but let's talk about that. That's exactly my next question is sort of preparing students for the launch into the business. Um, but you mentioned some of the classes, which is excellent, but then also what other things in terms of helping them with those connections to the industry, how to talk to casting directors and agents and managers like yourself. Um, but then also just sort of, um, you know, some people, some schools have showcases, some people have digital showcases. What are we preparing the students with to sort of enter to the industry with? Well, everything's done on an individual basis again, because we don't have, um, cohorts, large cohorts in the same way that maybe some of our other uh, colleagues in Virginia, Shenandoah or um, VCU Mm -hmm. or JMU have. So everything's done on an individual basis with the student. So let's say I have a student that wants to be a professional actor and move to New York City. Then I'm starting with them probably day one of their senior year, if not sooner, to scope out that plan and -hmm. begin making those industry contacts and connections. And I'm only doing it with them. So Mm -hmm. this is a school that I tell people come to Longwood if you want to be selfish, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be um, competing for a lot of opportunities or time with professors in the same way that you would maybe at some of the schools that I went to. Mm -hmm. Um, This school, you know, I'm practically looking for more students who I can take under my wing and start getting a professional career established for them. Mm -hmm. You know, we have almost more resources than we do um, students to share them with. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? It does. That's that's very exciting. um, We have tentatively um, Carrie Butler coming in the spring. Um, Hey, our podcast guest. My goodness. But we have her coming um, to do master classes and do a concert. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my uh, colleague, Daniel Schweitzer. He's in the Frozen National Tour. He zoomed in Mm -hmm. earlier this semester. Um, I have Connor Dean. He runs uh, Black Rock Theater in Connecticut. He's a CCM Mm -hmm. alum. He's going to be talking to my kids in a couple weeks. Um, And then next week, next week, next semester during my musical theater performance class, we'll have either an in-person or Zoom guest pretty much like every other week. Hmm. You know, so one week you prep your golden age audition and then the next week um, you do it for uh, someone from the profession, either virtually or in person. Um, So, I I mean, I'm constantly um, bringing in the professional world and I'm applying it 
to the students based on what it is that they want to do, you know. Um, you mentioned cost already a little bit, or specifically mentioned some scholarships. Um, this is what our crack research team came up with, was either 14000 per semester, which was 28000 or 40000 I don't have those numbers in front of me. That's That sounds right. Um, but I encourage people to December 1st deadline. And I know you have a lot of students that have high GPAs, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's automatic merit scholarship. You can literally look up. So talk to me about that. You said above a 3.0, do you automatically get, do you know what they get if they're above a 3.0? I don't have, I don't have it in front of me, but it's like, you know, 3.0 to 3.2, they get a couple thousand. 3.2 mm-hmm. to 3.4, they get a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. 3.4 to 3.0, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's something that you will just know that you're going to get as long as you get it in by that date. Yep. Um, and then we have department specific scholarships, some that we give out to incoming students, some that are given out once they're a student here already. Um, And then we can also, depending on the interest level of a candidate, potentially um, come up with some other funds. Some other funds, some magic funds from a pot. I'll leave that a little more vague, but that- Underneath um, the desk full of cash or whatever. That would be Uh for for the person that is pretty serious about coming here. Uh Uh-huh. I love it. Um, okay, my last question on the, on this uh, in this section is just, you know, as a school that is not on the same radar as some of those big name schools, you mentioned CCM or, you know, some of the schools that have been around and have those, those reputations, I guess, where do you see this as an advantage and where do you see it as a disadvantage? So if you were talking to a student who was deciding between Longwood and big name school X, how do you advise them in thinking about those differences if they have acceptances of both places? Well, it depends on where else and i look at this more as someone from the industry that's you know been going to senior showcases and auditioning recent grads for almost 10 years um it would probably depend on what the school what the other schools are that they're Mm -hmm. considering or that they've been admitted to um as you know there are many more bfas than there were when we were Mm -hmm. coming in Mm -hmm. Um, i would say five times as many i mean uh, and i'm not oh no more than five times i mean yeah. In um, terms of ones that were on people's radar, it's uh, 10 to 15 times more schools right. than you would have. I mean, there are now hundreds of. BFAs. So there's lots of programs that you could potentially go to that someone that a casting director or an agent is not going to be overly familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I think the days of the name schools, unless it's I could probably name three that still seem to really um, catch people's attention. Um, to me, every everything else is a little bit sort of lumped in the same category in terms of like, oh, you went there, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I I sort of recommend something more boutique to people because what's the most important is A, the training and B, the amount of opportunities that you're going to get, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, These larger programs with a larger student population, um, there's going to be more competition for stage time and, and many students, as you know, you know, might finish their four years in a, in a reputable BFA musical theater program and have graduated with not that many performance opportunities Mm -hmm. Um, here. That definitely wouldn't be the case, especially for men. We're very men light at the moment. Mm -hmm. So for any outstanding male actors, um, you're pretty much going to be in almost every, every production that we do. Um, And, um, you know, I just think it's, it's what's most important having been on both sides. I've been, I've attended programs that are really well-known programs that aren't as well-known. I teach in one that isn't as well-known. I think the opportunity 
the amount of opportunities is what's important in terms mm-hmm. of performance, classroom, um, and and individual attention from the instructors. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, you having also have the agent manager side of things, which is so often what people are thinking about, you know, when you get out, graduate, it's sort of like, what level of agent, what level of representation makes sense for me? You know, so, some people want to go with one of those big, huge agencies, which may have some right. kind of access, but then am I going to get lost in it? Some want the more sort of mid-tier, I want it to be, have enough access, but I also, you know, I don't know, I'm ready for those big, big names. And then some want the really boutique experience. It feels like schools have now there are more levels in that way that, you know, there exactly. is such a thing as a boutique school, which didn't you know, as well, a, we used as, that word a couple of years as ago. A ta- as a talent manager, I've represented people who were formerly with some of the larger named agencies yep. in New York City, and they never got sent out at all. And then with us, they go out every week. And most people yep. aren't super familiar with our office just, just based on our name. Yep. You know, so I think we have to start moving away from that a little bit industry wide because I don't really think it's it's super, super accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say being on the other side of the table, there's really one or two schools that um, um, coming out of their programs. I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but it seems like that's going to get you to the front of the line metaphorically in some way and, and we will name so- those two schools after the break uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but we'll take a quick little break and we're gonna talk a little bit more about the admission um audition process for longwood uh so we're back in flash another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. We are back with RJ McGee. And we've talked a lot about the audition admission process. So we're just going to fly through some of these questions. And then we're going to dive a little bit more into some business questions, too. Um, so let's just talk first. You know, you mentioned basically you apply and then you send you an email saying, I want to audition, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So are all of the auditions currently individual auditions that are scheduled on campus or Zoom? Through the candidates. So we do not have like how many schools have, you know, their three on-campus audition dates in the spring and then maybe they're in Chicago or they go to New York. Everything's just handled on a case-by-case basis based on the interest level of that student, where they're located in the country, what program they want to be considered for, et cetera. But they would schedule an individual audition. Either they come to campus or do you Zoom auditions as well? Yeah, Yeah, the BFA is audition-based. You have to audition to be admitted to the BFA. And then there are regular evaluations throughout your four years. Yep. Well, and then just on the, so you're obviously having a a big say in the artistic end of things on the sort of application end. how does it work um, with the university in terms of you mentioned above 3.0, they're getting a scholarship. Does that mean above 3.0, they're academically admitted? How do they sort of, um, how does the academic side of the application factor in to the BFA students? Well, it's you have to be admitted to the university before. Um, and really, that's actually the, what I should have said. You apply, get admitted, and then contact me. Right. So it is not, I know that there are some programs where it's like a, you know, a two-way deal, you know, your, mm-hmm. your audition and your 
application are considered as one. At least for us right now, you have to be admitted by the university and then you can come talk to me about being in the BFA. Yep. Yeah, that's very common. It happens both ways, but it's very common yeah. that it works that way, that you have academics first. You know, and I'm not saying Longwood's not an academically solid school. It, it really, really is. But I don't, you know, I don't think a lot of people have a lot of trouble getting admitted to the university, sure. you know. True. Many of our students have are pretty strong academically. Yeah. Um, do you uh, look at any aspect of the academic application? Do you look at essays or letters of recommendation or any of the stuff they submit other than, you know, their artistic work? It's only looked at by by our admissions team. Now, what I will start to get, it has not started yet because we're still slightly early, is I will get um, spreadsheets from admissions of people that have applied as theater majors or put theater mm -hmm. as their, you know, the major that they're interested in. Um, and so like some of the people that we called back at Virginia Theater Association, you know, that said um, they were going to try, try to apply by December 1st, you know, I'll see if their names are on that list and then follow up with them again and uh -huh. see if they want to do a BFA audition or if they're just going to go with our BA for now or, you know, what they want to come. We're doing um, Thespian for a day in February where you come and watch classes, eat in the dining hall and then watch my production of Little Shop of Horrors. Do they want to come to that? Um, you know, there's just a million different ways to to really mm -hmm. interact with us, you know. And you mentioned, you know, some some of these um, other opportunities you may do where you might have seen a video or you've seen a, in, or I guess it would be a Zoom, uh, you know, audition experience. Are they sending any kind of video in with their application? Or are they sending, I mean, if it's not a pre-screened, are they sending basically um, an, a video that you have on file? Or if they don't do that, would the only time that you're seeing them be the live or the Zoom experience? What they would do is, let's say I, I drew unifieds, I will email them and say, we saw your stuff. I'm from Longwood University. Here's some info about the program. We would love for you to, you know, seriously consider us. Please apply to the university. Mm -hmm. Let me know when you've been admitted to the university. And then we will set up a formal audition for our BFA, either via Zoom or if you want to come to campus and do it for us in person. Or they just say, which does happen, actually. Um, I'm just going to enroll at Longwood and, and um, you know, do a semester just as a theater major and then decide if I want to specify uh -huh. and do the BFA. And do the BFA. Yeah. Remember, you can, do, you can do our BA in theater and do the musical theater minor. Um, you could do theater education and do the musical theater minor. You could be in our music school and do the musical theater minor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we kind of let students determine that path for themselves. And sometimes that means that they come and, you know, figure things out for a semester or two, you know, but I know yeah. we also have many, many young people who know that they want to be in a BFA program the minute they step on campus in the fall. And for those, we're willing to um, make that happen for them as well, or consider them for that program. Yep. Well, and, you know, one thing we haven't talked a lot about is just the fact that the, you are new at the school. Um, are there big, you know, dreams and visions you sort of mentioned, hey, I'm pilot piloting this specific class? Like, are there things four or five years from now that you would see, hey, here would be my vision for what I want to be different about Longwood than it currently is? Well, one thing we're going to start doing next year, hopefully, is... Um more, more, more in-person national recruiting. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that I can be in person at, um, a lot of these events, um, whether we go to Chicago or we go to New York or we go to LA or, you know, um, and, and be able to meet more people in person, mm -hmm. um, where they are. Cause right now our only in-person stuff is in the state of Virginia. Yep. So, you know, maybe next year I'll be in St. Louis for the weekend. Um, 
stuff like that. So that's the first thing is to really continue to expand our networking and recruiting pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of our work that we do in the classroom and on stage, you know, there's so many things that we're going to be implementing. And, and one that I really want to do is an, is a new works program. So, you know, maybe we do a big musical um, in the spring semester and in the fall, we do, you know, a stage reading of something. And I have a lot of contacts, um, you know, Brie Loudermilk and Kate Kerrigan I've worked with as an actor, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jeff Thompson and Jordan Mann. I mean, you know, I have a lot of um, colleagues in, in the, uh, in the writing world, Lance Horn, um, so it'd be awesome to get them here and workshop mm-hmm. one of their shows. And I'm also cool. a writer myself. So, um, you know, maybe we can do something like that, you know? Um, and then, you know, we're big on guest directors. We have guest directors from time to time. And then we're big on guest artists. I mean, bringing mm-hmm. people to campus uh, from mm-hmm. the professional world. So um, I just see all of that continuing to grow and flourish and more um, amalgamation with our music department, um, potentially doing some musicals in our larger performance venues on campus. Like we have a thousand mm-hmm. seat performing arts complex here. Um, so, you know, the sky's, the sky's the limit, you know, but for a lot of that to happen, we, what we would need is actually more students. Yep. Yep. Not more resources or faculty or money, but more students to be in those things. To build it, yeah. Well, and I do think you're finding, you know, the wonderful convenience of online everything, which we all love, um, is really can increase your your reach to people. But making those deep connections, we do still, I mean, it's the, still the theater world. It's, you know, you're going to make that in person. It's You're, you're really going to seal the deal with a handshake that's really happens in person in Absolutely. a different way. Absolutely. And let me say, our campus is stunningly beautiful. And I've been at a lot of college campuses. So, Uh you know, we do, we show off really well in person. Mm -hmm. Um, We have nice facilities, um, you know, so you kind of have to, to get the full Longwood experience and to fall in love with it. You do kind of have to come here eventually, but we're, we're more than happy to consider people remotely because I know that that, that can also be, um, there's financial barriers involved yep. and stuff like that. Um, but right. it is a very, very nice uh, academic community, tons of outdoor activities, um, restaurants, shops. Um, we have Greenfront Furniture, which is like, you know, people come from all over the South to shop. Um, it's like 100,000 feet of um, high-end furniture selling space. Huh. It's like, if you're, an in, if you're into like interior decorating and stuff, it's like, you're going to, your head's going to explode, you know? So we have a lot of cool things. And then Richmond's only an hour and a half Richmond airport. You can get to New York city in like under 45 minutes. I've already done it mm-hmm. this semester. Amtrak can get you to DC, can get you to Philly, you know? So we're, it might seem like on paper that we're isolated, but we're really not. Totally. Um, all right. Well, let's transition a little bit into um, some some more biz stuff and more career stuff. I'd love to kind of hear for, you know, uh, most of our listeners to this these episodes are more the 16, 17 year olds, though um, they themselves will sh- quickly enough be the 22 year olds. But, you know, maybe for our alum listeners who listen to the, the Carrie Butler episode or all these the more artisty things, what do you feel like, you know, 22 year olds graduating today? What do you feel like is the big miss? What, do you, what, what are they missing out on that you would advise? Hey, you need to be doing more of this when especially when it comes with, you know, relating with casting directors, relating with managers, um, et cetera. Well, I would think, I think that in some schools do this better than others. You need to be prepping yourself for the types of shows that are 
popular and being produced often right now. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, that's a piece that a lot of people miss. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, if I'm meeting with a potential client, you know, I want to see their facility on like Disney material or Mm -hmm. um, Mamma Mia um, or Grease or these shows that are just like constantly coming up because that's what we're submitting our clients on. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are booking. And that's what how we make our money is as uh, as representatives of, of performers you know, actor, musician stuff is just like always so, so, um, useful, you know, mm-hmm. I don't play an instrument. Um, I, that just was something that I never really was able to take to. Um, but for the students that can, it's a huge, huge yep. asset, um, in terms yep. of your career, I would say, and, and it's, and it's tough for me to say, because I don't myself, I don't really represent a ton of people that are strong dancers, but there are so many opportunities for people who can make it through a first cut of a dance call, but that uh-huh. also can sing and act. Uh-huh. Um, and really there, there aren't that many people that, that can do that. I mean, that can mm-hmm. nail a dance call um, that's at the level that a dance call in New York city typically is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, they've been doing a lot of casting recently for um, um, back to the future. Mm-hmm. And um they're so, so clear in the language in terms of how skilled, how advanced Dancers. the dancing yeah. needs to be even for a lot of the, um, the more like character roles. And it says right. like advanced, the breakdowns have been saying like advanced partnering, you uh-huh. know, this is, these are skills that the typical BFA musical theater student is not coming out of school with, you know, partner. Yep. I also Back to future containing two MTCA alumni, including a podcast uh, guest here, JJ Neiman, no big deal, but uh, continue. All right. Yeah. Well, our, our MTCA people got it. That's for sure. Come on. The advanced partners. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and uh, different program heads have different opinions of this. In my opinion, it's important to really be skilled in a, in a couple different um, styles of theater, like, I think you should be just as comfortable doing a musical as you are a straight play. Mm-hmm. I think you should be just as comfortable doing a Shakespeare mm-hmm. or other classical work, Moliere. Um, mm-hmm. But Shakespeare has just produced so much in this country um, yep. that I think it's doing a big disservice to um, musical theater students to not have them doing both plays and musicals. Yep. You know, I often give that as advice to our actors are non-musical theater actors saying if you don't do musicals one you yeah. should you should be because you you're there's going to be a time in your life you're going to be asked to sing and you're going to wish you could but if not you better do shakespeare because if you don't do either yeah. it's like well then i guess you're doing tv and film there, there just is not that many non-musical non-classical plays produced for you to really make a living well, the tv and film piece is interesting because um in some ways it's such a different world and so few of our undergraduate theater programs have a tv and film component other than you know a class maybe Mm -hmm. um but if you want to be in that world it's really important that you know a little bit about it and um how to act on camera now the good thing is Mm -hmm. is we're doing a lot of that with our self-tapes even if they're for theater projects but um you know as as it almost goes without saying acting on camera is different than acting on stage, but in some ways it's, it's not really that different. So it's, I'm not saying that, you know, somebody can't book a TV show and have never been on TV before. I see it every day. Um, but 
also in New York City, if we're just talking about brass tacks like employment, um, on-camera work, especially episodics, especially network TV shows, um, are by far the highest paying gig that Mm -hmm. you can get. Mm -hmm. So um, if we're just getting down to paying rent in New York City, you know, um, there's a reason that, you know, there's a lot of last minute casting for theater projects because people book TV shows, you know, because from a monetary point of view, there's really no comparison. So um, I I would encourage Um, people to make themselves as versatile as possible. I guess that's what I'm saying. And also make sure that your book, your repertoire reflects shows that are being done now. Yep. Well, you mentioned that in some of the things you're looking for sort of skill set wise in that interview, if you're meeting with a prospective new client mm-hmm. uh, and you're saying, OK, I, I want to he- see what your Disney stuff is. I want to see what your Greece stuff is. What else are you looking for just kind of personality wise? I think it's one of the things um, I felt maybe least prepped for walking into the industry of going, oh, God, what is this experience of interviewing with? a potential agent manager and, you know, sort of how businessy do you want a show am I supposed to be? How much should I be myself as an artist? Like, what are you looking for as you're kind of meeting this potential client and establishing this relationship? What are you looking for in that interview experience? Well, and every agent or manager is going to give a very different answer for this. My office, we're not super interested in your um, artistic interests or career interests that are outside of the parameters of like what we can submit you for. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people come to us and say, Hey, I have this one woman show, or I wrote a pilot, or I have this idea for, you know, some sort of thing that could turn into the next flea bag. You know, we're just not the office for that. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't really develop um, talent in that way. We submit actors for theater, film, television, commercials, voiceovers, and print based on, the breakdowns for theater commercials, voiceovers, film, TV, and print that have been Mm -hmm. submitted to agents and managers. So we're sort of looking for what can you do for us now and what can we do for you right now? And so then it becomes a big problem when someone comes in that's right out of school, especially and says, I won't tour. I won't do ships. I won't Uh do non-union. I won't go out of town, et cetera. um, Because that really limits. Mm -hmm. Um, what we can do together monetarily, you know, mm-hmm. um, I only get paid if someone books a job, we take 10% of the gross of everything you make on a job that we book you on, mm-hmm. um, which typically means a job that we got you the audition for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to be really open to taking and or auditioning for a lot of work, maybe that you hadn't even previously experienced. So you want to see an actor who is open to open to understanding how they're going to pay the bills in this industry. You want them to be able to go, I get it. I'm ready to do cruise ships. I'm ready to do this for a period of time. And then, of exactly. course, they might say, I'm, I want to move on from that. But, exactly. but, but early in their career. career I really can't deal with people that um, are really limited in terms of what they will, will and will not do. Also, I tend to get people much better opportunities if they've done some of those things, like built mm-hmm. up the resume a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um maybe done a non-union tour, done a cruise ship contract, done a theme park, um, ju- done a children's tour. You know, it just helps you get in the room for other things because now you have like some street credentials, you know, it shows that you've done professional things that were outside of um, the academic environment. But also mm-hmm. I will always take someone that's more driven and committed and hardworking and will show up and be prepared 
over the most talented person in the world. And and a lot of that now goes with the self-tape piece of it because uh-huh. they're so time consuming and there's so much uh-huh. to prepare. And sometimes they're so last minute and you've got to clear your calendar and cancel your dinner date. And, um, you know, maybe you're not even going to be able to fly home for the, you know, your brother's birthday or, you know, you've got to have a very flexible survival job too sometimes. You know, you'd be surprised even for things that on paper, it would seem like most people would do in a heartbeat, you know, it's sometimes difficult to get them to put the tape together for it. Um, no, it's one of the big things we talk about with schools that they, they're, you can train them for the information of the business, the business stuff, but there's some of these things are like adulting skills. Yeah. It's really hard at 22 to just figure out how to like organize your life and answer your emails and do some of the things that you need to do. If you're going to have a representation, you need the to other thing you've realized and, and it, it's difficult, I'm sure, for a lot of the listeners of this podcast to hear. And I know that you coach people to get into um, prestigious theater programs. But there is a very, 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 very high amount of people who, within about a couple of years of graduating, um, no longer pursue this yeah. because of how difficult it is. And I will say yeah. it is really, really hard. Yep. Um, that's sort of the, the bottom line, but the good thing about theater or being on a movie or being in a TV show is that it's something you can do at any point in your life. Mm-hmm. It's not limited to a certain age. It's really not even limited to a certain location anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, you might decide that it, you want to do something else for a couple years and revisit it at a later date. And I've had many clients that have told me that, um, and that's cool too. It's your life, but as a manager, it's hard when people kind of waste our time and as a casting uh-huh. director. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people will listen to this and think, oh, I would never do that. And then you'd be surprised how many people actually totally. do, you know. Yep. Well, no, we talk about a lot of the interest in studying theater and loving to put on plays is not necessarily the same of do I want this life? Do I want this very right. difficult, hard, even when, you know, I often use my wife as an example because she's a very successful actress, but like mm-hmm. it's hard when you're Tony nominated. It's hard right. when you're, no matter what's going on in your your life, it is a difficult up and down. Yeah, the rejection truly for everyone, and I see it with the people that I represent, is almost daily, I would say. Mm-hmm. Can be almost daily, especially if it's a busy audition. You hope it's daily. Right. It means you're getting lots of opportunities you're if you're getting, getting a lot of auditions, rejection. but it means you're not getting, you know, you're also yeah. in response to that work, a lot of people are saying no. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing that's changed with EcoCast is, is I now see the audition. So if it was an in-person audition and I represented uh-huh. you, Charlie, I would send you to the audition. You would do it. You would tell me how it went, but I wasn't there. So I don't really right. know how it went. If it's a self-tape, I see it um, along with casting, seeing it. And so I see how lovely so many people are mm-hmm. at this and how many nuanced, interesting mm-hmm tapes they're making that sound beautiful and that are professionally put together. And sometimes you watch it, you're like, boy, who else would be better for, you know, better Uh for this than this person. And that person doesn't even get a call back, you know? So, um, I, I, I've met so many actors that within a few years and and many that went to top schools that were just like, no, I can't, this is for the birds, you know, this hustling and this level of poverty. Um, that's the other piece. Um, you can do a whole podcast series about, um, is just not sustainable. Yep. Well, that leads us perfectly. We'll, we'll wrap up with just a little um, advice maybe for the parents out there. So many of our listeners, of course, are parents, you know, going through that exact thing. You know, maybe some of them go, I want to support my child, but this is a difficult business. So what sort of advice would you give to parents? It could be about specific the college process, but also just with their child going into this industry of, you know, how they support their 
their child, but of course also for their long-term success, not just, you know, um, in this industry. I would tell them to seek out a school like Longwood, like some of the other schools that you've had on your podcast that is really balanced academically, um, where there's potentially options for double majoring, for minoring, um, to learn other trades and other industries and other academic subjects, um, where they'll be able to get a lot of practical experience, meaning like a lot of stage time, Mm -hmm. um, pretty much from day one, because that's really where we see people grow the most is not only from, for them, their studio work, but from, um, being in shows and playing roles. Um, and, uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. If I were to even go back for myself, I would have sought out schools that, um, I would have been able to walk away with, um, a career path with just as much knowledge about as theater. Mm-hmm. So, and people, it used to be this thing, this weird thing people would say, well, don't get a fallback plan because you'll always fall back on it. Everyone in this business does something uh-huh. else. Uh-huh. Everyone. Broadway people. I have had Broadway clients wait tables on Monday nights. Uh-huh. Okay? So actually the people who have skills other than waiting tables tend to really do well because they can do those two things concurrently, particularly yep. if it's something you can do remotely, because that means you can do regional work and keep up with your with whatever that job is, which I was able to do. My work at Baker is remote. So I've been doing it for 10 years while doing, you know, um, nonsense in Michigan or hair in Arizona, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would recommend that because unfortunately these conservatory degrees are very limiting in terms of they're geared for a career mm-hmm. in singing, dancing and acting. Um, so it can be difficult once, if, and when you decide you want to dabble in something else professionally for a while to make that transition. Um, and I've seen that a lot and it's why I've seen a lot of actors go into real estate actually, because, um, it doesn't require a degree. Um, Oh, oh um, yes. Oh, how many, including one we've had on this podcast. Um, that's an, that's a super fun profession. It's a lot of work, but it's super fun. And yeah. I've known actors who have become very successful in it. I've known actors that have gone back and gone to hair school. I've known actors mm-hmm. that have become massage therapists, photographers. Yeah. Lawyers. You can get um, a law degree, but yeah. Well, certainly a theater yeah. background is awesome for, for going to law school. You'd yeah. have to go to law school. It's not like yeah. you can just take your theater degree and go be a lawyer or, go, or be a doctor. Or I feel like they made a whole television show about that. That's suits, basically, is what yeah. you do don't go to the school and just uh, see if you can pretend, fake it. You know? Yeah. I think that's what you have to remember too. If you do want to adapt another skill um, and you went to like a conservatory, you know, a really stronghold sort of BFA program, you will have to, you will have to uh, pay more for, for further education. Right. I mean, um, you might have to take additional classes to go to get, to get a grad degree. Exactly. You'll have to mm-hmm. probably truly go back to school and, and almost like do it all over again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, I know that's sort of a downer um, thing, but I just want people to be realistic and, and not uh, cut themselves off to other um, career opportunities or educational opportunities. Um, and I'm also, I'm also just in general, a big proponent of um, getting, getting a master's degree at some point, even if it's in theater, because as someone who just got theirs, it does open up a lot of opportunities as well. And it doesn't mean you can't still perform or direct or te- or um, talent manage or cast. Yep. It just means you can do a lot of other things too. 
So true. Um, well, RJ, this was so fun to get to do. We know we can follow you at RJ for the win. Um, are there other places that we should be checking out Longwood if people wanted more information? They can add uh, RJ McGee Casting on mm-hmm. Facebook. They can also uh, find Jamie Baker Management on Instagram. We post a lot of our recent client bookings on there. Um, they can also find me on Facebook, RJ McGee, and they can email me at McGeeRJ at longwood.edu. They can also find me at rjmcgeecasting at gmail.com. Eminently findable, RJ. Eminently findable. Too findable um, sometimes. No, I feel no. Like. It's fantastic. Uh, this was such a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Charlie. Yes, yes, yes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with RJ. Did a long intro, so I'm going to try to be concise in my takeaways here. Um, first off, I just want to talk a little bit about finding the right size of school for you. Um, obviously, Longwood is not going to be the right school for all of our students, but I do think it's really fascinating in hearing that phrase, the more resources, we have more resources than students to share them with. That was it. This is not a phrase that you're going to hear at some of the more competitive schools we have on the podcast, where it often feels like there are so many students trying to bang down their doors to get in that can be a little overwhelming. And for some students, that kind of competitive fire is exactly what you need to get to the next level. It's what I wanted for sure. Maybe it was the athlete in me, but I really wanted to have a classroom full of students who were all just as intense about the process as me, who were already proven by the very nature of having to get into this competitive program and who were definitely going to help push me to be better than I could be on my own. I know that's what a lot of our students are looking for, and I think it's a totally great goal if that's you. However, it does need to be said, it's not just a given good that this is the only way to learn or to develop as an artist. Sometimes being a bigger fish in a smaller pond can be exactly right for certain students. Whether that's about timing, you know, some students just aren't ready at 18 for that level of work, or just about who you are as a learner. It really is about what is the right fit for you. And that is true of all kinds of sizes and shapes of programs, And what RJ is describing at Longwood, in a more liberal arts environment with a very choose-your-own-adventure version of how you pursue your BFA, is a very specific kind of pond that might be right for some students. You know, as could other more medium-sized ponds be a better fit for a student who maybe isn't ready for those deep, roiling waters of the most competitive ponds. Now I'm just mixing my metaphors. I don't think you can roil in a pond that's more of an ocean, but you know what I mean. It really is to each their own. And yes, I do think if you end up going to a much smaller pond, like RJ mentioned, you might be a more likely candidate to head an MFA program to get that more intensive training later, or to begin your career with certain resume building activities, like we mentioned theme parks or cruise ships, et cetera. That might be a little bit more likely than if you're swimming out of a, a Michigan or a Carnegie Mellon or you know name whatever of those more competitive um, ponds that you might swim out of. But that might be the exact right path for you. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get into was just that comparison of college versus the business, right? Um, we didn't talk, I didn't mention the intro, but I meant to about RJ, you know, being a casting director and how kind of unique that is. We talked about it in the interview uh, a decent amount. I really loved getting some of RJ's brass tax advice for how do you make money in this industry, sort of talking currentness with the industry, talking about actor musicians, how you fit into a Disney show tomorrow. I really loved his honesty with what his interest was in meeting potential clients, i.e. how could you make money as a manager? You know, how do you make money as a representative? I make 10% of what my artists make. I think this is definitely my experience of many agent managers in terms of what their fiscal relationship is in reality. Of course, each person is different, but I think it is more the rule than the exception in terms of what you should expect from this kind of relationship. Your real estate agent is there to show you houses and your manager is there to book you work. However, 
Just worth saying for any newer listeners that this is not the approach that we generally recommend from the college process, and it is not how I would be approaching your college auditions. With notable exceptions like RJ and a few others, most college faculty members are not coming from the agent manager casting world, and much more from the actor, director, choreographer, artistic side of things. And they are not going to have the kind of direct fiscal relationship with you about being able to book work that an agent manager has. That's not to say that a program head couldn't notice something like, hey, wow, this person is super marketable. But it's just that in general, that wouldn't translate to, and that's going to make me money in the same way. They would be just as interested in, wow, that is an absolutely fascinating artist that I want to get to know better and to develop into I don't know what in a way that I think very few agents and managers think that way. Again, it's not to say there aren't exceptions on either end, but I would think the percentages are almost the converses of each other. The vast majority of industry reps are looking for the quick fix that immediately makes them money, as opposed to the kind of fascinating artistic puzzle that they don't know what to do with. And the vast majority of colleges are looking for that amazing, messy, depthful artist, as opposed to the slick, pre-branded, plug-and-play product. That was too many Ps. Pre-branded plug-and-play product. You got it there. Of course, that's not a hard and fast rule. I think it is complicated by the fact that these things also are not mutually exclusive. You could be a soulful artist with a nimble and trainable vulnerability and very green acting work. And you could also be an incredibly marketable dancer on day one, right? You can be an incredible singer with that marketable voice tomorrow and have you know, a fascination with writing the next flea bag that you won't stop talking about, like RJ mentioned. It's not one thing or the other, but I would just say as a rule of thumb, when leading with the college process, lean into your artistry, and when meeting with agents and managers, you might lean into your industry. Um, and I'm just gonna end with RJ talking about him getting to see all of the auditions of his clients that weren't getting callbacks and how lovely so much of that work was. I just like hearing that this angle on that subject because it's kind of an old subject and it's just about how competitive this process is. There's nothing new there. But I think the reaction to that can often become the jaded reaction of, is anyone even watching? Or God, it's so hard, I should just give up. All of which of course can still happen. You're allowed to have that reaction. But I just like to think that someone is watching and going, I see you and that's beautiful work. No, thank you because that really is often the case. Ooh, she is really good. She's talented. I love what she's doing there. Not for us, right? Does that mean that's what's actually happening every time? Of course not. You could imagine that they're snarking or they're snoring through it or they're skipping it. Who knows? Of course that's possible. But I will say I have seen so much of the former. And for those who are about to walk into your audition season right now, it is only going to help us psychologically to focus on that former. So let's do it. Let's imagine with every rejection, the professor said, ooh, I loved them. I wish I had a spot for them. Because I have heard countless teachers say exactly that. They'll bring up a student, they go, oh, she was so good. I wish I'd been able to say yes to her. So let's just imagine that's what's always happening and put that positive and productive energy into the world. And with that, another episode of Mapping the College Edition in the Books, produced by Megan Cordier and Kelly Prendergast. Check us out on Instagram at Mapping the College Audition, on TikTok at MT College Auditions. You'll see silly videos from MTCA and me. A lot of fun. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform, of course. And don't forget about our junior workshop tonight. If you're listening live, if it's like 8.01 p.m., just turn off the podcast, click on our website, and join our junior workshop. All that information is available at mtca.com. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, may you all be advanced partners. Something I work on in therapy each week. We'll talk to you soon.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.